Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. Two things. The uh, quote from... And I never know how to pronounce his name, Matthew. So the Sorry. what the oh, Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn, yes. Solzhenitsyn. All right. But it, I don't do right. I can't do that. That he, what what was what was his focus? What was the whole point of that quote? The world has forgotten God. The world has forgotten God. So what are we doing? We're 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 keeping our eyes. That song, Keep Your Eyes on Jesus. So my lesson today, interestingly, is entitled, Keeping Your Focus. <laughs> Keeping Your Focus. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 3, we're going to look at John chapter 3. Now, the book of John, the gospel of John, it helps us to, right at the end, tells us the whole reason he wrote these 21 chapters. And we're not going to look at that verse, but does anyone remember what it is? Right at the end he says, I write write this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. All right, and that believing in him you might have life. So we know this whole book, when you get to the end of it, tells you the purpose of it, so you can go back and read and say, now where does this help me believe? Uh, so in chapter three, the whole chapter is unique in that it has a story. The first story is on Nicodemus, and then you have what we can call John's commentary on that story, his explanation about that story, and then he has another story about John the Baptist, and then another commentary. So you have a story, a commentary, story, and a commentary ties them together, and in the first part of that chapter, the the first half of that chapter, I would say that this interchange between Jesus and Nicodemus and then John's commentary on that really is about where the source of life is, uh, which is Jesus. The, The source of life is in Jesus. And so the most famous verse in the whole Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. Eternal life, okay? But not not perish, but have eternal life. All right? So the whole point is Jesus is this source of life. And so we have to have, we have, to have Jesus to have life. Um, but here's the problem. That's a really easy message. It's a really great message. It's really the focal point of our existence, our life, but it's really easy to let everything around us distract us, to lose our focus. The news, if you listen to news, it has a tendency to distract you. There's very little about Jesus on the news. (laughs) It distracts you away from it. Uh, Our work 
distracts us away from good thing. Good things distract us away from. We can get involved in our work, and I'm even talking about your chores, the things that you're supposed to do, and you you get uh, so wrapped up in doing what you're doing that, like for instance, I went out there and looked at the seeds growing and the planters. Oh my goodness, they're starting to come up. They're beautiful, but I can get so wrapped around the growing and the planting of it that I forget who made the plant grow. You see what I'm saying? And it's almost like, oh, I'm such a good gardener. I'm making plants grow. Really, I'm not, you know, that's not the point. The point is who really makes it it grow. And so we we can really get uh, uh, lost in our focus. And so the second half of John chapter 3 is talking about some people that are losing their focus and then some encouragement about us regaining our, our focus. So we're going we're gonna to look at that. So John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 22, and I'm going to read just the first um, 22 through 26, and we're going to see some lost perspective here, lost focus here. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out, into the Judean countryside, where they spent some time, uh, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Aon, Aon, near Salem, uh, because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of Jordan, the one who is test- you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. All right, so we, we start out here, he says, Jesus went out into the Judean countryside. They went out into the country. It's really neat. We t- Today, uh, Gma and I went to a funeral. We went out to uh, a um, cemetery that was out in the country. And did you notice how pretty it was out there? <laughs> I looked around and just all these fields around us, and it was away from the city, it was away from the big city of Huntsville, it was even away from the little town of New Hope. It was out in the country where this cemetery was. And so that's what Jesus did. He and his disciples went out into this uh, country. And you could say say that Jesus was training his disciples here. And you can see it. You kind of have to read a little bit between the lines. But it says, he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, you have to kind of imagine, well, what was Jesus doing spending time with them? Well, we can read other places. When he spent time with them, he was actually teaching them and training them. So we assume that's what's happening. So he's not only teaching, but it says he's baptizing. So he's putting some of these things into practice. He's doing some things here. And we see here that the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of John are in an overlapping stage. Now, do you remember who came first? Who began preaching first, John the Baptist or Jesus? John. John became, uh, began preaching at first. And when you read the story about John, and it's really in, in the Gospel of John here in the first chapter, uh, was, was, was he 
um, not, would you say he was not successful or he was successful? Successful. A lot of people were coming to him, right? Lots of people were coming to him, rich and poor and all sorts of people were coming to him and he was baptizing a lot of people. So he's a very successful uh, ministry that was going on. And right here, Jesus has been baptized by John, and then he's doing something similar. He's teaching, he's with his disciples, and they're baptizing people too. So we have this kind of overlap. And the basic message could be summed up in a sentence, and that basic message is, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is coming close. And we find that in Mark and Matthew, because that's the very first words that Jesus is recorded as saying. And so they're in the, in the middle of a good work. Some good things are going on. And when you notice in verse 25 and 26, it says that uh, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the manner, matter of ceremonial washing. All right, they're arguing about some religious things. I don't know what the argument was all about. It just says about ceremonial washing. And so they're having some kind of argument. And in the middle of that, as they're doing that, that argument really has to some way developed and other things are being said, obviously. And they're being distracted from what's going on. And it gets to the point where in verse, the next verse, it says they went to John after this argument And they said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of Jordan, of of the Jordan, in other words, Jesus, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Now, what does that kind of, does that give you kind of a sense of they were happy about it or not happy about it? They were okay. You get that sense. They were unhappy about this. Yeah, it's it's almost like they want Jesus out of there, and and they and they uh, they uh, want John to do better because they they had been doing John had been doing so much better before, and so we get this sense of jealousy that's going on, maybe a, a bit of envy, uh, and I think the whole idea is these disciples of John had been enjoying such a fantastic ministry. Lots of people had been going and uh, going to John. And then suddenly, all the people are kind of leaving his ministry and going over to Jesus. And they're feeling a little bit jealous of what's going on. Notice what happens. What, what does John do at this point? Look at verse 27. Through 30, it says, To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens to him. He is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must, he must become greater and I must become less. And if you think about this, if you kind of put your, if you put your place yourself in John's place, this is really amazing. All right. Here he was, a popular preacher. 
He was baptizing hundreds of people. The scribes and the Pharisees were coming out and asking him questions. And he would thunder back the answers. And Jesus came to him and he was baptized. He baptized Jesus. And then he continues. And now Jesus is over here. And it must have been over a month later because it says Jesus went out into the wilderness. So he's come back. So a month or two later, Jesus begins teaching and people start going to Jesus. And so suddenly you could say John's church has gotten smaller. (laughs) And people aren't listening to him as much. And so the people who really liked John are going to John and saying, look, that guy there is taking all your all your people. And it'd be really easy for John to say, yeah, that's not fair. That's a terrible thing. Especially if you have people going, you poor old guy, John, look at the, look what's happening here. And so he, but, but what, what his disciples had lost their focus. They were looking at people leaving them instead of what the true focus was. And notice what he says. He says, first of all, you have to understand the source of your gift. He says, a man can only receive only what's given him from heaven. He says, you, I, I'm not called to be Jesus. I'm called to be John. I have to be John. I have to do John's work. Uh, it's I have to use the gift I've been given. And for a while, I was the forefront. I was in, in front. I was leading the way. I, I was telling everyone what was coming later on. And then he says, you, you've got to remember what your message is. My message was this. He said, he said I, I told you this. I testified about this. I'm not the Christ. I'm sent ahead of him. Yeah, I'm sent ahead of him, but not to stay ahead of him. All right. But I'm sent, sent ahead. So I had this message. I had this ministry. And then I kept uh, this this ministry, look at verse um, uh, 29. He said, I, I really focused on what my ministry was, that I am not the groom. He says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom, and the friend who attends the bridegroom, or the best man, you could say, waits and listens for him. And he's full of joy when he hears him coming. And so he says, I'm not the bride, and I'm not the groom. I'm just the best man. And the best man's job is to help get the bridegroom ready. And then when he hears his voice, he says, he's just full of joy. And it, it re- less, uh, actually says there's, he rejoices with joy. He's just joyfully joyful. <laughs> All right. So he kept his, his uh, ministry focused. All right. So. It concludes this way. He says, he must become greater, I must become less. Now, when John said that, do you hear, like you said before, you heard maybe an envious voice in these people? When he said, Jesus must become greater and I must become less, what, what do you think the tone, his, his uh, attitude was about that? Calm and measured. That's a good way. Now, remember, he said, I rejoice with great joy. So what else? Happy. He's happy. All right. 
look at this. He's losing his job and he's happy. <laughs> or, but listen, yeah, like that, <laughs> like that. All right, hey. Oh, but, but listen to this. Yeah, or like granddad. But but listen, but listen to this. John not only was losing his job, he was about to lose his head. Yeah, but that was okay. That was okay because his ministry wasn't to make John the greatest. His ministry was just to go ahead of Jesus to prepare his way so that Jesus could be greater. Isn't that a neat thing? Now, it showed really true humility. It showed what I call God esteem. It showed real security because his security was in in, in Christ. It wasn't in his work. It wasn't in who he was. He was just doing what God called him to do until that job was over. All right, so let's look at this commentary. That's the story. Now we're going to look at the commentary in verses 31 through 36, where he says, The one who comes before me, excuse me, the one who comes from above is above all. And the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it uh, has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of, uh, of God for God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, it's kind of confusing. It's kind of like a lot of statements, and you go, oh, yeah, but what does that mean? Yeah. It's like a whole bunch there, and you think, mate, well, there's a lot there that I don't even see. So let me just kind of simplify it first. Basically, I think he's saying here is Jesus is our source of faith. He says, for the one who comes from above is above all. Who do you think that would is? I think he's talking about Jesus, don't you? The one who is uh, who comes from above, well, he's above all. And so he says, here's the source of our faith. The one who is from above, he is, a, he is above all. Uh, and he goes on to say that he, uh, he is a, uh, uh, the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and to what he has heard. He speaks the words of God. Uh, and, and he talks about there's, there's really two types of people here. We have Jesus here who's the source of our faith. And then we have two types of responses, two classes of uh, people. He says in verse 32, right at the end of verse 32, um, he says, I'm getting my finger on the right place. Uh, uh, He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. No one accepts his testimony. All right. Is that a big group of people or a small group? No one. It's a big group of people, all right? And what, what this is is hyperbole. It's, it means it's an exaggeration. Because the very next thing he says, he says, the man who has accepted it has certified that God uh, is truthful. All right, so there is, he says, 
the man who accepts it. So it's not when he says no one, he doesn't mean absolutely no one. There's zero people who has accepted it because he says the man who's accepted it. All right, so think about this. No one is a big group. The man is a small group. There you go. So he's kind of dividing people into two groups. There's a large group of people that won't accept this. And there's a small group of people that actually accept him, the man. And he says, uh, the, the one who believes, and this is, means uh, that has a solid, firm, uh, strong, has made a strong decision in his faith. All right, that person. And then we see this, this perspective of Jesus. He speaks the word of God. He doesn't only just speak God's word or speak about God, but he speaks the word of God because he has seen and heard it from God. So he speaks as God. Um, and then here's an interesting thing. He says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. All right, listen to this. For God gives the spirit without limit. That literally says, for God gives his spirit not in measure, all right? So for Jesus, it wasn't that he had a measure of the Spirit, all right? With, with us, there seems to be, in some sense, we, could, we say everyone has God's Spirit. And in a sense, in one sense, in the gifting of the Spirit, all of us together are whole. By ourselves, we just have, you could say we have, a part of the Spirit. In other words, someone is a gifted teacher, but someone is a gifted giver, and someone's a gifted encourager. Jesus was all of that. So, like, by ourselves, we're limited, but together, we're unlimited? Right. You said, by ourselves, we're limited. Together, we're unlimited. And Jesus was... Unlimited, all right. He was whole. He was he was completely because he's the head. He's the one that brought us together. Exactly. He's he's the yeah exactly because that's where I'm going right now. All right. Uh, he says this is all based in relationship. The father loves the son and has placed everything into his hands. So all these things is, are are in uh, built in relationship. And then that last verse really ties it up. It reminds you, no, no, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read this verse and you tell me what verse it reminds you of. All right? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Does that remind you of another verse? John 3.16. It reminds you of John 3.16. You see, the writer of John is really good at tying things together. He wants your mind to go back to 16 so you can see both of these stories are all tied together. He, he reminds us that the reason that we keep our eyes on Jesus and our focus on Jesus when all these things are distracting in our lives. And guess what? In just a few minutes, we're going to get busy and we're going to get distracted. And we're going to get distracted with good things. Eating. Who's hungry? Oh, yeah, we've got hungry people. We're starting to get distracted when we get hungry, right? And and what do we think about when we're getting hungry? 
food, all right? And then we, we, can, we can then get irritated. Have you ever been irritated when you're hungry? Uh, see how you're losing your focus? Now you're getting angry, you're irritated because you're focused on eating. The very next chapter, John uh, tells about Jesus with a Samaritan woman. And he's sitting at a well. He's really tired. He could, he could have gotten distracted. He was really tired, and another woman came up. This woman came up. And when I'm tired and someone comes up, you know what I do? I have a tendency to do? Just ignore that person because I'm tired. Jesus didn't ignore her. He kept his focus. He helped her. When she went back into the city, his disciples came back with what? Food. And they're saying, Jesus, uh, you need to eat. We went and got food for you. We know you're hungry. And remember what he said? I've got food you don't know about. And they're like, did someone bring him a biscuit? <laughs> they're like, what? What? Did that woman that we just passed, did she bring him some food? They couldn't figure it out. But he was talking about my focus is on what's really important, so much so that I don't let food distract me. I don't let these other things uh, distract me. And so he says, whoever believes, and this means a constant, continuing faith, has eternal life, which is means you have it now. This is not talking about heaven later. It's talking about what we have right now, life in Christ now that continues to heaven. And then whoever rejects, and this is what I call non-faith, they just don't have faith, um, then they, they won't see life. They just will... They'll, they'll be where they are right now in the wrath of God. And so remember this week, rem- remember as we leave here in the next few minutes, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.